from the combined crew of blindandroidusers.com and accessibleandroid.com, it's time for your favorite Android podcast. Kick back now and enjoy another fine episode from these fanboys and gals as they navigate Android from a blindness perspective. And now, here's your crew. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Blind Android Users Podcast. I'm Ed Green and I'm here today with my co-hosts Warren Carr, Austin Pinto, John Dyer, Kirin Kuan and Sally Kunders. And we're coming to you on Saturday the 20th of January 2024. It's an exciting episode this week and it features a double spotlight. After our announcements, we'll start with the Galaxy Unpacked 2024 event that took place last week and tell you all about the new Samsung phones and their software features. And then we'll have a review from John of his Zenfone 10 that he unboxed uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, how are we all? Sally, what's happening? I'm doing good. Uh, The weather is changing so fast. Like a couple of days ago, we were like four degrees. Not today, it's 21 and tomorrow it's going to be five. So we don't know what to do here just because of the excitement of Samsung phones, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Very, very changeable weather. Uh, are you watching any yeah. of AFCON, the Africa Cup of Nations? Have you been following that? Yeah, I'm watching that, of course. It's going kind of interesting. All of the favorites are losing or getting draws. Like like a couple of minutes ago, Algeria was 2-2 against... Um, what was that? Burkina Faso. Yeah, Burkina Faso. Yeah, it was interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to that on the radio, and they were mm. uh, 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 they were up twice, weren't they? Say again. Who is your favourite for this one? Uh, well, it's interesting now. Salah's out. I think Senegal might might be okay. Um, have to see. Uh, I was watching the early game. It's yesterday. like Cape Verde. Cape Verde winning yeah. two two matches. Interesting. Yeah, they're going to yeah, be doing is. something interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, three teams potentially, like third place teams, can go through now, can't they? See, so I bet, I yeah. bet some of the favourites yeah. sneak in, and then we'll see what happens in the knockout, won't we? Even Egypt yeah, is good. doing terrible. Well, Salah's injured, so yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Karine, how are you? I'm fine. Everything is going well here, and um, actually, we are still having cold weather. However, there's no rain. Oh, yeah, it's uh, nice. Good. It's very cold here, and then we've got a storm coming over the weekend, Sunday, Monday. So uh, that'll be fun going to work on Monday morning. Uh, Austin, how are you? I'm good. Things are going very nice. And it's last week it was warm. This week it is nice and cold, like 8 degrees, 9 degrees. So it's my favorite weather. But also I am feeling a little bit of uh, sadness because the summer season is fast approaching. And that is my most unliked weather. So I don't know what to do. I wish I can come to UK or some other country where it's cold. It's very, very cold. Have you been playing on your uh, flight simulator yet? Yeah, Eurofly is released, but the beta is released actually. But the people have found a bug where the plane loads and everything loads, but the engine does not start. So I could not uh, play that today. But we are trying Ah. to solve that. (laughs) At least it's not a bug where the plane crashes or the window blows out like Boeing yeah, but, seems to have quite often. Yeah, but the plane does not even start the engine, so that's a oh dear. bug. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, hopefully they'll fix that for you fairly soon. Yeah, they'll fix it, yeah. John yeah. Boy, what's happening in Virginia? Not much. I'm doing good, but I'm sick yet again. The, uh, me and my family have come down with something, so not feeling too great. At least it was your favourite day of the year last week to cheer you up. Or joint favourite, I suppose, with foldables. Yeah, true. It was yeah. an exciting week. <laughs> and Warren, how are you? Well, like John, I'm not feeling too great. And um, so my wife came back home last week. That's Friday uh, before less than a week ago yesterday. And she was just sick. And I got it. And uh, boy, I was just home, you know, most of the week. Uh, though basically the whole week. I'm kind of feeling better today. Um, so... But, you know, thank goodness I'm here. Um, it's kind of been snowing here a lot. I couldn't believe I was out there yesterday uh, trying to um, shovel that snow. I was able to clear the driveway. So mighty proud of myself. I was out there for over an hour, um, even though I wasn't feeling so great. Um, and now it's going to be snowing again. And uh, anyway, we had over a foot of snow, you know, yesterday. All the schools are closed. Um so you guys, I didn't realize that there was uh, a football going on uh, until you guys mentioned it. And then you, um, Austin, you are talking about some game. Uh, I think maybe the reason why the engine is not starting is because it's a, it's an Airbus. That's what I want to say. Yeah, it seems to be Boeing that having lots of the problems at the minute. <laughs> Max 9's not looking very good. Max 8's having problems. Uh, I, I think it's, it's an Airbus, you know, that's why. <laughs> no, this is a Cessna 152. Oh, oh no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, why would it be Euroflight? That doesn't make sense. Who knows? It must be what they use. No, it's for training purposes. Nah. So first, you have to do training and then we'll get the big planes. Yeah, you know, Austin <laughs> is lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really the Cessna 152. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. I'm going to call you out on it if I found out the truth. <laughs> no, you can find out the truth and I'm sure about it. Okay, well, he's put yeah. the link in the in our in our little uh, internal podcast discussion group yeah. that we have. So you, wow, can, you can go I and see. have a play on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't play those games anyways, but I think it will be fun to kind of simulate a flying thing out there. I think my favorite game... Uh, I don't play many games either, but my favourite game, possibly of all time, but certainly in recent years, is definitely Blind Drive. Uh, Blind Drive is a good one. I've heard about it. I mean, I I think I was the one who posted it on our email group when it became available, but I never tried it myself. Like I said, I only have one that I like, uh, Audio Archery. I mean, I can't even install it on my damn phone. Yeah, even I have it. (laughs) Even I like it, but I can't install it, I think. (laughs) I I love hearing bullseye, you know. That was absolutely beautiful, yeah. And that that chime sound that came with it. (laughs) Yeah, the chime is absolutely beautiful. I like that game. But Blind Drive is a little bit different to Audio Archery. I don't think Audio Archery deliberately involves trying to run over cyclists, does it? I don't remember that bit of Audio Archery, if it does. Oh, so blind drive, you know, try to avoid running over someone. No, no, you have to, to deliberately over. run over cyclists or hit them. Oh, uh, no. That's part of it. Oh, you no. have to ram the cop car at, at one point. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not really, it's not really like audio archery, really. Yeah, it's, a bit it's like a gangster kind of game, isn't it? <laughs> well, you're you're kidnapped by gangsters, yeah, or made to be, yeah, essentially. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> and you have to run over pedestrians as well. Oh no, that's that's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite sweary. I think I'm going to play this game after the recording. You should. Well, you should. It's very so good. It has, it has a lot of swear words. Nah, I don't think it I does. like that kind of game. Oh, no. I don't think Gosh. you would really. No, no I <laughs> My head will fall to the floor. You, you have to listen to AFCON instead. <laughs> oh, if boy. people do want to listen to AFCON, by the way, it is on Radio 2000 Extra from South Africa and City FM from Ghana, C-I-T-I. That is. So those are your oh. AFCON stations that I've been able to find. Now, what's uh, an AFCON? Africa Cup of Nations. Oh, oh, uh, that, oh okay. That Sally, and, uh, that Sally and I were talking about earlier. Oh, so uh, oh, I, I oh, always okay. play Hunt the AFCON radio station uh, at this time of year because uh, it changes and we don't broadcast it on the radio. So oh, I, I have to go looking online. Yeah, I think I'll... I mean, I'm not a football fan, um, soccer fan, but uh, I'm surprised you and Sally keep a tab on these things. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, uh, So, yeah, having to find it and work out who's broadcasting it. And none of them are on TuneIn, so you have to go to their own websites and apps, which is a bit annoying, but it still works. This is the announcement segment of Blind Android Users Podcast. Stay tuned to hear important information regarding the podcast, surveys, and the latest news. Let's turn to our announcement section then. And uh, Austin, do you want to plug the app Bonanza again? So this week we have got three announcements. We have got the app Bonanza that is coming up on the 27th of Jan. So you can email your app demos in MP3 or whatever audio file you want to contact us at blindandroidusers.com latest by the 25th of Jan. And the second announcement is that this episode, along with all the others, are chapter marked. So you can skip or you can go to the first segment and then uh, move back as you want them to do. The third announcement is uh, to our mailing list members via the groups.io is having some problems. So they are re-verifying members. So if you get an email with the subject action required, you need to complete the action before 28th of Jan. This is done automated by groups.io and the owners are not doing anything. So you will get this email directly from groups.io itself. In other words, what you are saying, Austin, is that the groups at IO is sending out uh, re-verification, you know, for subscribers. It's not coming from us, guys. So if you get that, it's not us playing games with you. It's something that groups.io is doing. And uh, so don't think it's a phishing thing, um, because I know these days people are very cautious about, you know, phishing emails. And so uh, this is verified from us that groups.io is doing this. So if you get that message, please try to re-verify so you don't get kicked out. Thank you. Yeah, otherwise you'll be suspended from the group and we are not doing anything to suspend you. It is groups.io itself that is doing this. So we are not uh, doing any of the re-verification or anything. Thanks very much. 
This is the Spotlight segment. Stay tuned for premium interviews, device unboxing and more. Well, let's turn to the first of our Spotlight double bills then. And on the 17th of January this week, Samsung held its Galaxy Unpacked 2024 John's joint favourite day of the year, where they released a whole bunch of shiny new phones with shiny new features. Let's start with those phones. John, it would seem remiss of me not to invite you to talk about this first. Sure. So... It doesn't come as a surprise, but Samsung has announced the S24, the S24 Plus, and the S24 Ultra. And, you know, it, which has been typical in recent years, there's not much different about them. They're, they have the new Snapdragon chip, at least in the U.S. Um, the Ultra model has the Snapdragon chip, the 8 Gen 3 in all regions but the S24 and the S24 plus have the Exynos 2400 I believe which is pretty close to from the benchmarks that have uh leaked so far is pretty close to the Snapdragon um this time which is a little better than how it's been in the past but for whatever reason Samsung's and and by whatever reason, I mean money, <laughs> because that's always the reason um, Samsung has decided not to make the Snapdragon available in all regions this year. The exception, of course, being the Ultra model. And other upgrades that are probably worth mentioning are the screens on the on all three are now brighter, so they're up to twenty. 600 nits peak brightness now the um on the plus and the standard model they now can adjust their refresh rate all the way down to one hertz which they couldn't do previously so that will save on battery life so when you're when you're sitting still just reading something on the screen and it's not scrolling or playing a video or anything it it will ramp down to one hertz to save a little bit of battery um the ultra model has a new telephoto camera so there was a 10x on the last generation the s23 ultra but it was only a 10 megapixel lens so now they have a 50 megapixel lens that is only 5x so but with digital crop you'll end up with a 10x zoomed photo at 12.5 megapixels rather than a 10 megapixel photo so even though the numbers look like less as far as the zoom factor you can still get a better resolution image out of it and it also makes the jump from the 3x telephoto lens a lot less so before it was cropping any zoom from 3x to 10x it was cropping now it only has to crop up to 5x which will make the intermediate zoom shots a lot better quality um 
let's see the the memory is the same on the base model it's eight gigabytes the memory is the same on the ultra it's 12 gigabytes but the memory on the plus has changed to uh 12 gigabytes so last year the plus model had eight gigabytes this year it has 12 gigabytes and this year it starts at 256 gigabytes storage so i think the best upgrade within the s24 family actually is the s24 plus it's got the biggest jump specs wise over last year And storage-wise, I think if you pre-order, they're doubling the storage, are they not? Yeah, and yes, they are. In any case, so if you get the um, base S24, you can get the 256-gigabyte version for the price of the 128. You can get, on the Plus, you can get the 512 for the price of 256. And then on the Ultra... You can get the 512 for the price of 256, or you can get the one terabyte for the price of the 512. And it's a silly question, I know, John Boy, but have you have you purchased yourself one of these shiny new devices? Um, I've purchased two. <laughs> so two? I, I couldn't make up my mind because I think I want the Plus and I think I want the Ultra, so I'm... I'm not keeping them both. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> the so with with trade in and everything, I think the plus is a much better deal. It, it ends up I'd have to pay three hundred more dollars to get the ultra because oh that's something I also didn't mention, which was kind of important. They did a price hike. The ultra now starts at thirteen hundred instead of twelve hundred. So. I'd have to pay an extra $300 to get basically um, just better cameras and an S Pen, which I never use, basically. So uh, I think I might end up landing on the Plus, but I'll at least let the Ultra tempt me a little bit. Um, the Plus is much closer to the Ultra this year because of the upgrades I mentioned earlier. I don't think I mentioned it, but now it has the same resolution as the Ultra, whereas before it just had the same resolution as the base model. So it's definitely the best upgrade of the three. And sorry, did you say the plus came in a one terabyte version or is that just the ultra? No, just the ultra. Yeah. And uh, the trade in this year, were you, were you happy with the values or did, could they have been more generous? They were better than last year. So they gave me 750 for my ultra. And last year they were giving 600 for the ultra so they're much better than they were last year yeah i think it's 640 here for the ultra um so uh yeah which is interesting because they are pound to dollar equivalent prices i believe mm -hmm. so they're not being as generous well that might actually be closer to the exchange rate but they're not being as generous given that the prices aren't subject to the exchange rate they're just they appear to be dollar for pound equivalents and when yeah. and when do your shiny toys arrive what's the release date i think the 31st is the release date but usually i get them a few days early like friday is the release day 
And then sometimes they come on Tuesday or Wednesday. Nice. Uh, so an even more exciting week in a, uh, uh, that's not next week, is it? The week after. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's move to the topic of controversy then, and this is chips. Is it just the US that gets Snapdragon, or does South Korea get Snapdragon as well? Well, uh, before we talk about that, I want to say the reason why John got two, uh, because he's going to be sending me the plus. You guys uh, are not <laughs> We are doing another dual unboxing, and therefore it just didn't make sense for him unboxing uh, both at the same time. So that's the reasoning behind it. Don't mind John just hiding it from you guys, but giving you a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm gonna have to edit my order details now. Change <laughs> my shipping oh, address. Oh my gosh! But uh, it's interesting to see what they've done, um, especially with the prices and adding more uh, to the price. It seems like everyone is kind of like upping their prices a little bit. So uh, now, well, let's talk about the, the chip and that chip. Though, y- you know, I don't know. Because, you know, Samsung skipped the 2300 um, and went straight to the 2400 because the, the last uh, Exynos was 2200, as John indicated. And so because they want to be closer to what the performance of the uh, Qualcomm chip is, they skipped all the way to uh, the 2400. And like John says, it's almost comparable to the Qualcomm. So... I know it's a very uh, sore spot for many people, especially, you know, the people in the know, like the Android enthusiasts will know the difference. But my argument is that the person out on the street that doesn't even know what powers their phone anyway, they want a Samsung phone, that's all that matters. And so, but you can hear all the people whining about it, you know, over the internet, the people in the know and all of that. The average Joe out there, however, knows little is quad but do you think uh samsung is doing fair uh for giving uh qualcomm chips in other places and not all across the board like they oh. did last year <laughs> we could know we get the exynos chip i've just looked actually um uh the, the snapdragon is us which i might predict south korea which i might predict and also china uh gets and, and japan japan as well yeah those countries always have, uh, I don't, unless they change it this year, but every time that everyone else has uh, Exynos, uh, the US, China, South Korea, and Japan always had the uh, Qualcomm. I think it's fair to say that we don't think it's fair, do we, do we Kareem? <laughs> of course we don't, because... Actually, um, people internationally are paying the same price as you guys are paying in the U.S. I mean, Warren and John, you pay the same amount that we pay outside of the U.S. So, and and we are getting um, not not the same experience. Okay, John was saying that um, it is maybe close this year. However, we can't say for now because uh, the reviews are not out there yet. So we should wait. However, th- like. Uh, it is something that we all that we are all used to, which is that Exynos chips were just behind the um, Snapdragon ones, and um, that was 
a known fact. And last year, when they um, released the S23 as one unified chip, people were just so happy about it. Reviewers were really happy about that. And actually, it, it gained uh, like the award of uh, best phone or the, the best series or the best S series from, from many reviewers. They considered that that was one of the like the best S series phones that were released. So yeah, and this year they are just uh, removing that and uh, ruining the, the unified experience again. And yeah, everyone will say, hi, do you have the Exynos? No, I don't have it. I have the Snapdragon one and then like that. So I don't think that this is at all making sense. It does not even make sense for Samsung because they have to build like two versions of the software, one for Snapdragon, one for Qualcomm chip. But one secret that only Ed and I know is that pixels are powered by potato chips. Well, here's the thing, though. Um, and like I always say, you know, you follow the mullah. And I think that what it is, besides that fact, I think Samsung does not necessarily wants the Exynos chip to go by the wayside. So they're doing all that they can to keep it alive and improve it. And if they get it to where it's on the same par with Qualcomm, you can bet on it that they will be getting rid of the Qualcomm all across the board. So I can see where they're coming from, but that's my gut feeling about it because they don't want to just say, hey, we want to get rid of our own thing. Um, you know, this is what we're producing. And if you are in their shoe, you're producing something, I don't think all of a sudden you want to throw that away. You've put a lot of money into it and it would be unwise for them to just, hey, we want to dump it off. Unless, of course, they decide, oh, let's just use it for our mid-rangers. And that's a different thing. Yeah, well, and... I'll give it to you then. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a mid-ranger user. And as Karine mentioned, hey. like we don't know until we get our hands on these how they really perform. Because I, I mentioned some benchmarks are leaking, but you know it's not just benchmarks that matter. Because for example, the the eight Gen two was a really efficient chip, and the eight Gen three is supposed to be, I think, fifteen percent more efficient so just because it can match or come close to matching performance doesn't mean you're going to get good battery life out of it you know that's something that we won't know until after these phones are in people's hands okay so here's the thing i'm on this 23 years there and i'm not thinking of upgrading to s24 because of this processor discrimination uh they here they just lost one like um, user in this case. Yeah, but like I said, though, the majority of the people, all they want is a Samsung phone. The reason why you guys are barely aching about it is because you are in the know. The average guy out there on the street doesn't give a rat about, you know, what it is. All they want is a Galaxy phone. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. They want a phone, it's from Samsung, that's all that matters. But you and I, on the other hand, however, want to know what chip it runs and uh, all those whistles the bells and the whistles and all the good stuff, the RAM and all of that. A lot of people don't. They just have that new shiny device, looks the same. That's all that matters. Just going to say to Warren, that, that may be so, but that's no reason no reason to do it, just because no one, no one will notice. Nah, Ed, you're just... <laughs> that was a good point, Ed. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. It's a good point, Ed. Uh, Character is who you are in the dark. 
Exactly. Thank you very much, John, uh, for singing my tune. Anything about the battery this year, John? Is that the same? Now, Ed, I'm glad you mentioned that battery. And it's been one of my biggest gripes with Samsung. And I can imagine why or, you know, they're kind of feeling a little bit, you know, penny shy about, you know, giving bigger batteries, given the fact that we had that battery get of uh, Note 7 back in 2016. And so I can see why they're kind of a little bit being cautious. But by heaven, we should have, with the size of the phones that we have from Samsung 6.7, 6. whatever, we should at least, at the very barest minimum, have a 5,000 milliamp um, battery in every single one of those. And the Ultra should even be almost like close to six thousand milliamp battery so that's my gripe i mean come on you're giving me a great phone give me power to last me throughout the whole week or three days whatever the case may be that's what i would like to see john do you have a rebuttal um no i think well i i agree with him on the smaller phone because i think they did well i don't know if they made it larger or not i know the screen is larger but whether the actual phone is larger or not, I'm not sure. I know the the other two phones are the same screen size as they were, or are the same physical size as they were, so I don't really know why they'd be able to fit more battery in this year. I mean, other manufacturers do it, but, you know, they, they I think, are prioritizing room for, like, cooling and stuff like that over battery. Which is, you know, I think that goes back to what Warren was saying as well. You know, they're more concerned about, you know, the safety and performance of the device rather than battery life. And with these newer chips, at least the Snapdragon ones, they have gotten a lot more efficient. So I'm not as concerned about super large batteries as I used to be. Just on super large batteries, you will have heard perhaps uh, Harris' review of the uh, WP30 from uh, Alcatel or Ucatel or however you say it. They are coming out with a phone with a 22,000 MA battery. Uh, it might already be out. Oh, my gosh. They're not even going to allow you on the plane. <laughs> no. Although, really annoyingly, <laughs> it, it's the WP33 Pro, but, but you're having to make feature choices it's not better than the 30 it's just got a bigger battery and louder speakers but the other features of the 30 are better so they haven't kind of put all their eggs in one basket which is a bit disappointing it's really cheap i might get one i think it's supposed to be 136 decibels oh gosh you should but so you see here's my thing though the whole battery thing so i'm not one of those people that like to carry you know power banks around and all that silly stuff I just want to be able to at least use my phone for, I'm asking for is three days. I mean, even with my Pixel 8 Pro, I only charge it twice a week. That's all I'm asking for. And frankly, I'm not asking for anything more. At least give us 5,000K for every single effing phone out there. Excuse my Espanol, but it's very annoying to me when they put bigger batteries in their mid-rangers and then you deny someone who's paying a lot of moolah uh, that uh, capability of having a, a good battery in their phone. I think that's absolutely stupid. Some of the reason for putting them in the mid-range is obviously they're being sold in markets as well where there's unreliable power. So 
that's sometimes why cheaper phones have bigger batteries. Yeah, but just because I have power, I don't want to be plugging my phone in every freaking day. No, yeah. I hate that. It's It yeah. depreciates your battery, really. I don't want to be charging my phone every day. I don't. I make it a practice never to charge my phone every day. It's just stupid. I don't want to do that. So come on, Samsung. Uh, wake up, boys and gals. Give us better batteries. That's all we're asking for. Other than that, I love the hardware. I think they got it right. They didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh, this girl! <laughs> you know, they did not get it right. Samsung is fighting me. They are, they are just uh, ruining my connection. <laughs> I can see why you're all kind of perturbed about it. Because uh, so, if I say they get it right, <laughs> you're going to disagree with me. But the hardware is good, though, Karen. No, no, the hardware is very bad. It's the Exynos. The Qualcomm chip. We want the Qualcomm chip everywhere. What is uh, used is the Snapdragon uh, Gen-, uh, Gen 3 for Galaxy, which is also the way of Samsung to say this is better than the uh, regular Gen 3. You know, Samsung likes this thing. Uh, this is because Samsung likes to like attract people, impress people, and people like this um, they feel to feel that they are special, and um, this is. Uh, but if you if you look at this Samsung or this uh, Qualcomm Gentry for Galaxy, it is a modified version. They worked with Qualcomm on that. However, the modification or the the thing that you will get is not really a bump in speed or something. One core is upgraded with respect to speed. However, other cores are downgraded. So according to an XDA article, <laughs> the, the real difference between the regular or the standard Gen 3 and the Gen 3 for Galaxy will not be something really noticeable. So actually people are getting <laughs> sort of the same chip and the same power and the same stuff, but just Samsung likes to say this is for Galaxy. So Samsung got bamboozled by Qualcomm because you know they paid they paid them a lot of money to have that special chip. Uh, it maybe was they're um, giving that for free. I think yeah. last they did this last year, but it was I think it was the same chip. They were just the only ones who were allowed to overclock it or something. It was the plus. I think it was the the one that was released as a plus. Then the they the Qualcomm released the Gen Two Plus, which was the same uh, power in, or the same chip, which was mm-hmm. in the Galaxies. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, Samsung knows what's going on, and I don't think that they feel like they're being shafted because, frankly, uh, the Samsung engineers know more than what the XDA articles uh, article writers uh, write. So I- I'm going to put more stock in what Samsung is doing. They have tested these things with Qualcomm and see what it is. And so even if someone feels that, oh, you know, it's just a, a gimmick or whatever, I think they know what they're doing. And so... I don't think they're getting cheated. They know exactly what they went in for. And so if, Karen, this is true, let's say if this is true, I'm being iffy here, then uh, if it's not that great, then why are you even worried about it as to you not getting uh, the Qualcomm chip? Wait, wait, wait. How, how are you How are you doing that? I, like, I, I just did you, it. You just, wait, wait, wait. You are just shifting the, the whole discussion to something which is, wait. This is a flawed logic no, because, because 
I said that we need the, we want the Qualcomm one, the Snapdragon one. Uh, okay, the difference here that I'm talking about is between the Gen 3 of, of Snapdragon and the Gen 3 for Galaxy only. It's not related to Exynos. Yeah, no, something. I understand. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm saying uh, if if that's what is going on, because, you know, Samsung has always customized this with Qualcomm all this time that they do their own, want to make uh, address certain uh, things uh, with their phone. And, you know, other manufacturers do that too. It's not only Samsung that does that. I don't remember which of them does it also. It's not only Samsung that does that, but if that's what they're doing, but what I'm saying, if it's not that great anyways, then, I mean, you are kind of were a little bit, you and Ed were kind of belly aching that, you know, they didn't give it to you guys across the board. Now, knowing this, why does it even matter to you? Because Gen no, because 3 itself want- is good. We want the Snapdragon <laughs> Gen 3, whether it is great, not great, the Galaxy oh, Gen brother. 3, Gen 3 Plus, whatever, but we want the Snapdragon Gen 3. Oh, Just for the name. It's worse, we want to be equal yeah. in the US. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I can never win with you guys, no matter what. <laughs> Now, Marie, well, let, me, let, me, let me clarify something, which is um, the, the, if they are doing compatibility stuff or to, to make it like uh, a custom version, this is not wrong at all to have a custom version. However, I, what I'm talking about is the, like, if, you are, if they are trying to, to let people think that it is something much better in terms of uh, speed or something, this is not the case. Only a custom version, it's not any, uh, in any way wrong. Well, I think they want smooth performance and all of that stuff. I think every manufacturer would want to do that. And so I'm just glad to see that we have that going. Um, And especially the Ultra, at least, uh, is the Qualcomm, um, you know, Snapdragon across the board, regardless of where you live, uh, whether you live in, uh, uh, you know, the Sahara Desert or you live somewhere in uh, the Mojave Desert in California or a Mongolian Desert, uh, you still have that uh, Ultra with the uh, uh, Qualcomm chip. If you don't like the Exynos, then go for the Gasto. So what Samsung should do, they should give the Ultra for the same price as the Plus and the Basic to all the non-US people only. Then I'll be asking you, Austin, what kind of drink are you drinking? What's the color of your? No, drink? I said I said only to non-US uh, to non-US uh, users, they should give the ultra to, as the same price. It, US that's can what, pay more. Exactly, I, I I hear you, but I'm asking you, uh, what would be the color of your drink? No, because we want the Snapdragon. <laughs> we don't want Qualcomm. That's why. Oh boy, this boy. Okay, uh, that's good enough. We'll have to you know, uh, kind of twist uh, Samsung's arms to uh, give you a little bit of the um, the same price, you know, for how much is it? Uh, $7.99? Uh, give Austin the Ultra for $7.99. You're listening to the Blind Android Users Podcast. Let's talk about some of the software features. And there's a few things to talk about here. There's there's all the AI stuff, and then we'll touch on software updates. So who wants to who wants to talk about what we can expect from some of this AI from Samsung? So the first part that I like is that the calling. So when someone calls you, 
it translates what the person is saying the opposite person in 14 different languages or the language that you want it to be translated in you can see what they are saying and then you can either answer the call or what this is very good for driving because they may be having this feature on the watch where it uh, your screen reader will read or when you are not able to pick up the phone or pick up the call on the watch you can just read what they're saying and all those things so that is a nice feature the second good feature is photo editing so like they you can click the photo of the moon using s21 and higher but s24 what it will do when you click a photo of the moon you don't see that the rocks and the moon or the mountains or whatever they are there so if you just want to complete that photo the ai will complete it for you and the third feature related to photo itself i like is if you want let's say there's a car in the photo and you want information about the car you just hold on that car and it will give you the information including what model and company so i saw these on the hands on video but i don't know how accessible it will be the all the three features when we get the unit when then we will know about that and that's all the things i like one you know, I kind of really like what they're doing. Um, you know, everyone's into AI now and all of that. And uh, you guys realize, you know, how tightly Google and Samsung are doing things together. Uh, I like the idea. And uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they may come to our agreement and say, hey, you know, you guys just do the software and we'll just do the phones. And you Google guys just forget about phones. We'll do, just do the hardware, all of that. Um, anyway, I hope we don't see that day, but because that will just cut down on our choices of phones and all of that. But I like what what is going on. And the thing, though, that I'm a little bit concerned about, because uh, I do have a link here we'll put in the show notes, is that if you go to Samsung's page there, this AI thing is only going to be Elfribo uh, till the end of um, 2025. And they didn't say how much it's going to be. Uh, charged for or how much they're going to charge for it and all of that. But uh, the good thing is that it would also trickle down to some of the other phones, especially maybe like the S23 series. I'm not sure it's going to trickle down to the S22 series, but um, it's not something that's going to be perpetually free unless, of course, if people uh, kick against it. Because, yeah, these things sound grandiose from the get-go and all of that. But the reality is that most of the time, People don't even use those things. And so if people don't use those things, probably they're not going to charge for it after the end of 2025. That's all I wanted to say about the Samsung AI. So in the hands-on video that I was seeing, the Samsung representative, he was talking to the person making the video. So he said that it will trickle to all the S20 series of the phone and also the top variant of the mid-range. So... It'll take time, though. It won't trickle like just now. It'll take some time. How much time that they didn't say, but it will come for sure. Some, at least some of the features that don't require uh, CPU processing will come to older phones. And also what I like about these is that all the features are done on device. So nothing much goes to the cloud. Only I think when you want the car information, that part it'll have to send somewhere. I don't know if it has all the information on the device, I don't think it should have that. So I think some part is sent to the cloud, but mostly all is done on device.
Austin, I think you are talking about the um, image search that is not by holding your finger on the thing. It is just by drawing a circle around the object that you want to do a Google search for. As far as I know, this will do a Google search and it will uh, bring you the rel relative information about the object. Which will no, need, this, course... thing is, this thing is different, I think. The one that he showed on the hands-on uh, video and I had the link in the internal podcast and also we'll be putting it in the show notes. He held on that image and it gave the information on the car. So I think this circle to search is a different thing. Maybe anyone so, else has information? So just to explain the circle to search thing, it's it's called circle to search, but you don't have to circle something. You can long press on something. You can scribble, like color something in or highlight text by just like drawing your finger across it. Obviously, none of this stuff is probably going to be accessible. but the idea is that you're going to long press the home button now. And if you don't have a home button, you're going to long press the um, navigation gesture area at the bottom of the screen. And then it'll put you in a mode where you can circle or color in a part of the screen. And what it will do, what it's technically doing is it's taking a screenshot and it's cropping everything except what you circled. And then it's doing a reverse image search on Google of that portion of the screen. So you can do this in any app. You can literally even do this in your camera. Like you can point at an option at an item and circle it on screen and it'll reverse image search it and give you all the details about it. And it won't put you in the Google app. It'll just do an overlay and give you all the details about this. And I'm curious to see how or if at all this is accessible. Um, I think in order for it to be accessible, they'd have to have the AI predetermine things that you might want to circle or select and have them be selectable by TalkBack when you go into the circle to search mode. And <laughs> I hate to be negative, but I'd, I'd be shocked if that's the case coming out of the gate anyway. Well, I guess until you, you get yours, John, we wouldn't know for sure. Uh, but, you know, I kind of, I'm such an optimist. I'm thinking it would be accessible to us because it's just text. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking if you find it, an image or you find something, uh, a word or whatever, you long press on it after you've done that, uh, I'm sure it should be able to interact uh, with our assistive technology and tell us what it is i don't know we'll see what happens but something tells me it, it would work so if it doesn't of course feedback feedback we'll give them feedback but let's see what happens it's just a matter of what maybe a couple of weeks or so and you'll be testing it and letting us know what you think and just to reiterate what austin was saying about the translation features there's a couple things they announced one is like the phone calls as he mentioned and it's literally like the Bixby voice translating what you say. So the other person hears, well, you they could choose, you can set it to allow them to only hear the translation or to allow them to hear you and the translation and vice versa, whether you want to hear their actual voice and the translation or just the translation. But basically it will, it does all this on your device. It will translate 
what they're saying in you'll hear Bixby, you know, one of Bixby's voices, four voices. I'm assuming you can choose which one will say it. And of course, depending on the language, you might not even have four voices, but the uh, Samsung TTS voice or Bixby voice, whatever you want to call it, is what will actually say um, the words to you out loud. So it's um, it's an audible thing. Like it's not just it's not like on screen translation. But however, they did announce that it will translate text in conversations automatically too, like in text chat conversations where the bubble will show you what they actually texted. And then right under that, it'll show you the translation for you. And then when you send it, it will send them the translated version, but it will show you um, both what you had typed and what it translated it to. So those are both cool features. And what they, they did mention that they're using Google's um, Gemini Nano for on-device stuff. But a lot of this stuff is also using cloud, like the summarization things that does use the cloud. And they didn't mention what service it's using, you know, whether they're using chat GPT or whether they're using Gemini for that. Also, but either way, you know, Samsung does not do their own AI. So however they're getting it, they're having to pay for it. And I think that's why they're going to try to, if it ends up being too costly for them, they're going to try to, you know, forward that bill to you as the user. And what what features that applies to, I'm, I'm going to assume it's only going to be the cloud features. I think the on-device stuff, they might be able to allow to be free, but this is something we... We don't know anything about, um, and I guess we'll have to wait two years to find out. And, and those translation features, John, do you need two compatible S24s for that to work, or can an S24 send that to any any old device? No, you just your just your phone only has to. You just have to have the S24, and you you will have to download the language pack for whatever language you're going to be talking in ahead of time or it might ask you once it detects the language if you want to download the pack i'm not sure what the setup process is but yeah it happens all on just your one device excellent yeah and you know let's be honest a lot of the even with the pixel phones uh a lot of the uh ai stuff is on the cloud uh the on device thing is very minimal let's uh be realistic with ourselves here. So uh, things like uh, common mundane stuff will be on device, but heavy duty stuff definitely will require the cloud. So uh, let's not deceive ourselves, regardless of who it is. I mean, pictures and videos stuff, uh, uh, it's not gonna be offline. And I think while we're talking about software, we definitely buried the lead here. And that's that um, they have matched Google with seven years. They've promised seven years of OS and security updates. So your Galaxy S24 will be getting Android 21. <laughs> well, you guys remember when Google announced this and when we were talking about it on our podcast here, and we were saying, 
we want to see this as uh, you know a roadmap for other manufacturers to follow. And here we are, Samsung is following suit. And frankly, you know, Sony, if you're listening or you know whoever you are, what I would like to see is that even if you are just giving one year. Now this calls for you to now give us at least at the very various minimum three, and everybody will be happy because to, to be honest and like we said, um, a lot of people anyways in three or four years would get a different device. All right, let's let's just the truth. Let's face it. Uh, most people will not keep their phones for more than four years or whatever. Um, I know there are some people that don't care and will have it for a long time. I mean, I'm looking at my wife. She doesn't want to change her phone. I may want to say, hey, let's change it on. I'm I'm doing fine. Uh, I mean, one of our students grabbed her phone, threw it across the classroom. And uh, I mean, thank goodness, you know, my insistence on the tempered glass, that was the salvation of that phone. Uh, all that we had to do was to change that tempered glass. Had it not been tempered glass, uh, definitely we would have uh, gotten a different Samsung device. But uh, some people don't care about you know getting a new one and all of that. But uh, in three or four years, at least someone would have changed it. And like we always said, you know, the battery um, is the determinator here. For example, if my battery after five years is not uh, keeping me up to three or four hours or maybe even two hours or whatever, I definitely would be forced to get a different phone. Speaking of updates, here's the thing, and it should be also a real good example for other manufacturers. LG, which is no longer making phones, they announced the V60 in 2020 and they updated the phone until Android 13, and even they say they will be updating the last version, Android 14. That's a great thing from an from a manufacturer which is no longer making phones. So those uh, others in the field, like Sony, uh, Xiaomi, OnePlus, they should also follow that. If, like they will be staying for a long time, so they should be making big, big uh, update roadmaps. I think everyone is going to be forced to do something because if you want people to buy your phones, you need to give them support. I mean, they are not cheaper, guys. Things are only getting more expensive. And there's no reason for me to give you all that boatload of moolah when you're not giving me all the support I need. We're not asking for 10 years. We're not asking. But, you know, at the barest minimum, give people at least three years or four. And I'm talking about, you know, Motorola, I'm looking at you. Uh, Motorola, Nokia, Sony, guys, wake up. It's time to do the right thing because give us three or four years. Or three years will be fine. Um, at least the uh, gatekeepers, uh, Samsung and Pixel, are giving us unmatched uh, seven-year update. That's fine, but you guys need to give us half of that. That's all we're asking for. Yeah, and and they're getting, I mean, not necessarily lengthwise, but speed-wise on the A-series even. I was really surprised that my A33 work phone got a 6.1 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, uh, UI 6.1. So that was uh, that, and Android uh, 14. That was, that was a good thing. Uh, and yes, the others definitely need to up their game uh, duration-wise and longevity-wise of those updates. 
This is the Spotlight segment. Stay tuned for premium interviews, device unboxing and more. Well, we will be back, obviously, when John gets his phones. We'll have all sorts more Samsung content in terms of unboxing and reviews of those phones. But while you wait for that, uh, why don't we listen to John's review of the Zenfone 10? Hi, John here. And today I'm going to be doing a review and demonstration of the Asus Zenfone 10. I've been using this as my main phone for a couple weeks now and I'm excited to show it to you and tell you my thoughts. I'm going to first start off by doing a demonstration of a couple of the main aspects of the phone, show you how accessible they are or aren't and what you can do about it. Then I'll go through the settings and I'll Obviously not show you every setting, but anything that I feel sets this phone apart, I'm going to go over that and show you what it can do. Then I'm going to finish up by just telling you some of my thoughts, what I like about it, what I didn't like about it, and so on. So let's just get right into it. I have the phone here. The screen is off. To turn on the screen, I'm going to double tap it because... The fingerprint sensor is on the side key, so if I press that side key, it will unlock the phone. But right now, I just want to show you the lock screen, so I'll double tap. 10.19 a.m. Cricket. Use fingerprint to unlock. So, on here, we have the clock. 10.19. The date. Tuesday, January 9th. And then below that, you have all your notifications. And the lock screen is very similar to the Pixel, and or what you would call stock Android, because... You have the option to have that giant clock if you want it when there are no notifications. And if you do have notifications, it just puts the smaller clock up near the top and then your notifications down below. I also noticed that if you set it to show content in your notifications, you will be able to read your notifications and dismiss them from the lock screen without unlocking the phone. You can do this on a Pixel, but you have to swipe down with two fingers to get to the notifications. Otherwise, they just show up as icons. So this saves one step there. I'm going to now hit the side key to go to the home screen. 10.21 a.m. Unlocked. Device unlocked. Home. Facebook has four notifications. Obviously, this will take you to whatever you're doing last. It just took me to the home screen because that's where I was last. So I'm going to show you the launcher a little bit. This is basically a pixel launcher, but they've added a lot to it. The way I know is because when I go through the actions. Shortcuts. Move item. Add to home screen. Activate. There is no remove from home screen, but there is an add to home screen, which is something the Pixel Launcher has done for a while that's silly, in my opinion. It's a bug that they need to fix and they haven't, so that's how I know this is built off the Pixel Launcher. But I 
we'll show you a couple of the differences or a couple of the unaccessible areas I've noticed on this version of the launcher. Mostly it works, but here are a couple things. So I'm going to put the home screen in focus. Home. And I'm going to show you the actions here. Apps list. Wallpapers. Widgets. Home settings. And all these work except home settings. If you tap home settings. Action not supported. Home. Facebook has four notifications. It says that and it brings you back to the home screen. So the way you're going to have to get to the home screen settings is by pinching two fingers together. So slide two fingers towards each other. After you do that, you'll see options along the bottom of the screen. Wallpaper and style. Widgets. Preferences. Edit home screen. And preferences. Preferences. Is where you'll get the settings. And I'll just show you what some of these settings are. Preferences. Navigate up. Button. Home screen. This is where you'll go to customize the home screen. Let's go in here now just to show you. Home screen. Navigate up. Button. Home screen display. Heading. Layout. Two-layer mode. So they call it two-layer mode and one-layer mode, but basically what it means is do you want an app drawer or not? If you don't want an app drawer and you just want everything on your home screen, then you'll change it from two-layer to one-layer. Grid size. 5x6. You can adjust your grid size. App icon badges. Off. Whether you want app icon badges. Of course, as you heard earlier, it doesn't affect whether TalkBack reads it or not. It's just a visual thing. Continuous home screen. Swipe left or right endlessly on the home screen. Off. Switch. You have that. Swipe down gesture. Enter app search. You can customize this gesture. Lock home screen. Prevent random changes or accidental drag and drops. Off. Switch. Add app icons to home screen. For new apps. Off. Switch. I've turned that off. I think it was on by default. Restore default wallpaper and icon style. App drawer display, heading. Suggest apps, show personalized app suggestions based on your app usage. Off, switch. Search bar on the bottom, optimized for one-handed search behavior, off, switch. So those are the home screen options that they've given you. I'll also point out that while it's not in the settings, you are able to remove the Google feed from the left of the home screen if you want to, and you are able to remove the Google search bar, and there's no at-a-glance. Those are the two things on Pixel Launcher that you can't remove, but here you can remove them. They're just widgets. I'm going to go back. Preferences. Home screen. After home screen, we have App Lock. Hide apps. App Lock and Hide apps. Now, this isn't completely accessible. I'm going to show you what I mean. I'm going to go in here. Hide apps. Navigate up button. Now, these are apps you want hidden from your launcher, so you don't even want them to appear in your app drawer. Usually, stuff you can't disable but don't ever go to. And I'm just going to touch in this list here. Hide apps not checked. So you can see everything I'm swiping. Hide apps not checked. 
All of the apps are labeled the same. Hide apps not checked. <laughs> Hide apps. And it says it's not checked. So in order to know what it is, you have to use TalkBack's image description either by bringing up the menu or doing a gesture. I'll just do the gesture I have. Detected. Icon. Close. Add. Text. Plus. Calculator. So I know that's the calculator app. So it'll take you a while to find what you want, but you can do it. And you'll obviously you'll only really need to do this once. Preferences. Hide apps. And then app lock. App lock. I won't go in here, but it's the same thing. You'll have to use image description to tell you what apps are checked and not checked. And the good thing about this, having this feature built into the stock launcher. And what this does is it keeps certain apps protected. You can make it so that you have to put in your biometrics or have to put in your pin or pattern to get into it. And the, why this is better on a stock launcher than on a third-party launcher is because this will prevent you from getting in the app from anywhere. So if you have a third-party launcher and you do this, it only stops you from getting to it from the launcher. You can get to the app any other way. You know, you can ask Google to open it. You can go to a notification and get to it from a notification. There's all kinds of ways you can open apps besides the launcher. But when you have this feature built into the stock launcher and you're using the stock launcher, you can have it lock you out from any way you try to get into it. So that's a good feature if you want that. I'm going to go back to the home screen. Home. Facebook has four notifications. And one more thing I wanted to mention is there is a feature where you can rename apps to whatever you want. And that doesn't work for us. So what it does is it does rename the app and visually the app name changes, but TalkBack still reports whatever the app's normal label is. So although that's a feature here, it doesn't work for us. Next, I'll show you the recent screen. Recent apps, Pocket Casts. So I'm just going to touch the one in the middle. Settings Cast. And you can swipe between Pocket Casts. Different apps. Pocket Settings. Mobile Manager. And you'll notice there's more actions than in the normal Pixel, or stock Android, I should say. Close. App Info. Pin. Lock this task. Share. Activate. So not only are there, it does it support actions, but it has a couple extra things you can do there. And... The best part about it is there's a close all clear all button or clear all I should say at the bottom right. And I guess I'll go ahead and hit that. Home. Facebook has four notifications. So now we're back on the home screen because I closed out of everything. You know, in stock Android or Pixel phones, you have to slide all the way over to the end to find that close all button. So I like the fact that they have added one at the bottom. 
Next, I will show you a couple of Asus apps and just point out that they're not labeled a lot of the time, but you can label them for the most part. There are some exceptions, but I'm going to open the phone app. Phone. Phone. Show you what Search like. button. Selected recents tab. We have tabs at the bottom. Contacts tab. Recents and contacts. And above that, we have a dial pad. I'm just going to explore it to show you. One. Two. That even though I have my keyboard set to dial or press the key when I lift, it doesn't happen on this dial pad. So this dial pad is just buttons. You'll have to double tap every number. Some people like that. Some people don't, but that's how it is, and you can't change it. Now I'll go through some of the settings. Show more button, more options. So more options at the top right. Pop-up window. Delete call log. Call recordings. Settings. So as you can see, this has a call recordings feature, and you can have all of your calls automatically recorded to your phone. If you want to, I have that turned on. I'll show you it a little bit later, but I'm going to open settings. Settings. Navigate up. Button. Volume key option for incoming call. Now this you have. Volume key option for incoming call. Checked. Mute ringtone. You only have. Adjust ringtone volume of incoming call. Mute ringtone or adjust volume. Those are your only two options. You don't have the option to answer it with a key press like you do on a Samsung phone. So you'll have to answer with talkback's gesture or by swiping up with two fingers. Settings. Volume key option for incoming call. Next we have incoming and call screen. Call screen. Incoming and call screen. And here are the options in here. Auto display keypad. If triggered during a call, the keypad will be automatically displayed when you redial that number. Incoming call display. Full screen. Turn on proximity sensor. If you hold the phone to your face when answering a call, the screen will turn off to save power. On. Switch. Settings. Incoming and call screen. The next section keypad. is... And here are the options in here. Phone. Keypad. Keypad touch tone. On. Switch. Speed dial. So you can set up speed dial if you want and turn the tone on or off. Settings. Keypad. Next. Call log. I'll skip over Locked that. numbers. Skip over that. We color scheme that as system. And then you can set the color scheme. So that's all the settings in the phone app. There's not too much to it, but the call recording feature is pretty cool. It's something I haven't seen on any other phone that I've used. Another app I will show you is the Sound Recorder app. Open Sound Recorder. Opening Recorder. Asus Sound, Sound Recorder. Recorder. More options, but zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. So it first puts you on a screen where you can start recording. Recordings button. But I'm going to hit this recordings button to open my list of recordings to show you a couple. Now, this button was not labeled. Most all of these buttons were not labeled 
but you can figure out what they are with icon descriptions and you can label them yourself. Sound recorder, recording list. So here's my recording list. I'm just going to play a couple for you. Navigate up, button. More options, button. Standard recording 11, 0 hours, 0 minutes and 26 seconds, the 9th of January 24, 927, 630K. Standard recording 11, this sound recorder, sound navigate up, of the button. Voice recorder app with the built-in microphone or microphones. Let's see if it's in stereo. This is the right side. This is the left side. Again, this is just a sound test. Standard recording 10. This is a test recording using a headset plugged into the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack on the Asus Zenfone 10. Obviously, sound quality will depend on your headset, but this is just a test. All right, now I'm going to go back. Recorder, recordings, button. Sound recorder, recording list. Okay, now in the recordings list, if you swipe left with two fingers, that'll take you to your call recordings. So I'm going to show you one of those. Call recordings, page two of two. All right. Detected, icon, call. Play, pause, button. So I think this first one should be a call from yesterday with Warren. Warren Carr. Hola, amigo El Poquito. <laughs> hey, Warren, what's up? <laughs> How are you? Good. I was oh, just, good. <laughs> I was just calling you to record our conversation. So oh, that good, I would, good, yeah. good, yes. And then you can send it to me and see how that is. So, yeah. uh, you know, um, about, I think it was during the Christmas week, the 20... So that is just a quick sample of what a call recording sounds like. Obviously, it's only going to sound as good as your actual call, but to me, it sounds exactly like my call sounded, so that's good. And I'm assuming my side of the call sounded the same as it did to the other person. Okay, now I'm going to show you some of the settings that I have found that I think sets this phone apart, or settings that I haven't come across very often in Android. Open settings. Okay, settings. Search settings. Sound and vibration, volume, do not disturb, audio wizard. So I'm going to start in the sound and vibration section. Ringtone volume limit. Sound and vibration. Navigate up. Button. So first we have... Volume setting. Heading. Sync with volume key lets you adjust the volume of all selected audio items at the same time, and you can also adjust the sound volume limit of individual items according to your preference. Okay, so this is cool, and I'll explain it to you. There is a list of all the types of volumes here. Ringtone volume limit, sync with volume key. 100% ringtone volume limit, slider. Checked, checkbox. So as you could see, there's a volume limit and a checkbox for every type of volume. 
Notification volume limit. So ringer? Checked. Checkbox. Alarm volume limit. Alarm? 100%. Checked. Checkbox. Media volume limit. And media. 100%. Checked. Checkbox. And whichever of these are checked will be tied to the volume keys. So I have them all tied to the volume keys so that when I use the keys to adjust the volume, it adjusts them all. Now you can choose, you can pick and choose which volumes you want tied to that. And if you choose more than one, then those volumes will always stay in sync unless they have different limits. So those sliders that you heard that you could adjust, you can set the limit on something. So for example, my notification limit was set to 70 because I don't want my notifications ever louder than 70%. So as long as I keep my volume below 70, the notification sound will be the same volume as everything else. But if I turn my media alarm and ringtone volume higher than 70%, the notification sound will just stay at 70%. So I think this is really a cool feature. And it makes it so I can adjust all types of volume without having to deal with the actual on-screen volume controls. You know, if I touch the screen and I adjust the volume, that still adjusts accessibility volume. But if I'm not touching the screen, it adjusts all the other volumes simultaneously. And again, you can pick and choose which ones you want it to control. And below that we have... Volume adjustment mode. Volume adjustment modes that provide different ways to control audio volume. So... This is where you would go to turn what I just described to you on and off. If you want it to just be the way it has been in Android, you could go in here and put it back. I actually think that is how it is by default. I had to turn it on. Next we have... Volume panel switching options, native menu. I'm going to go in here and show you something. Volume panel switching options, navigate up, button. So what we have here is... Native menu. You have a native menu... Selected, radio button. Which is what I have selected. Tap to switch. Not selected, radio button. And tap to switch is not selected. So we'll come across this in a few different areas of the settings where you can choose to have the standard stock Android version of something or you can choose whatever the Asus customization is for that. I'm going to back out of here. Sound and vibration. Volume panel switching options. Native menu. Another cool thing they've put in their sound settings is... Bluetooth volume control. And what this is... Bluetooth volume control. Navigate up. Button. I'll just let them describe it to you. Not selected. Radio button. Absolute volume. One volume control for both phone and connected Bluetooth device. Or... Selected, radio button, independent volume, volumes of Bluetooth device and phone are controlled independently. So this is basically the developer setting for disabling absolute volume on Bluetooth devices, which I always recommend you do. It fixes some issues with TalkBack. But 
they've pulled it out of developer settings and put it in regular settings and kind of explained it in regular English what it does. So I think it's cool that they've added that here. It's much easier to get to it. Now I'm going to hop into display settings. Settings. Sound and vibration. Volume. Do not disturb. Audio wizard. Display. Brightness level. Splendid. System navigation. All right, I'm going to open it. Display. Navigate up. Button. Again, I'm only going to show you settings that are specific to this device or Asus's version of Android. Refresh rate. 60 hertz. So I'm going to go in to refresh rate. Refresh rate. Navigate up. Button. Obviously, I always keep mine at the very lowest to save battery, but here are the options. Auto automatically adjusts the refresh rate. 120 hertz. 90 hertz. Checked. 60 hertz. And then below, it'll tell you that there is a 144 hertz mode that will automatically turn on in certain games. I'm going to back out. Display. Refresh rate, 60 hertz. Another setting that they've moved from developer settings is... Animation speed. So you can go in here and adjust all the different types of animations and turn them off, which is something you could do in developer settings before. They've just made it easier to get to. System color scheme, dark. And then we have dark mode. And the reason I'm going to go in here is to show you something that very cool that they've done. System color scheme, navigate up, button. So you have your usual options. Light, button. Light or dark. Dark, button. Light. Dark. Unlabeled. This is probably the button. Not selected, radio button. Yep. Unlabeled. Selected, radio button. So I have dark selected. Scheduled, heading. And then you can adjust whether or not you want it to turn to dark mode on a schedule. Auto switch, off, switch. But then, at the very bottom we have... Force dark mode. And what's cool about this, I'll open it up. Force dark mode, system color scheme. We have a list of all my apps. A, B, and B, on, switch. Acapella TTS voices, off, switch. And they each have a switch where you can force the app to be dark mode. And you can choose which apps you want to do that in. If they don't have a native dark mode. Now this doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. And it does help in a lot of situations for people with low vision. What I've had to do in the past is go into developer settings and turn on an override force dark mode. And that turns it on for all apps at the same time. And anytime you restart your phone, it turns it off. So you had to go back into developer settings and turn it on again for all apps. But now you can just turn it on for certain apps and it will stay even after a restart. So this is really cool. I'm going to back out. System color scheme. Force dark mode. Display. System color scheme. Dark. Another setting we have in display settings is quick settings panel style stock android quick settings panel style navigate up button and like i told you earlier you can choose between stock android and the asus version and this is what they call it stock android 
or selected radio button asus optimized not selected radio button so asus optimized is their skin basically and you can choose whether to use their version or not so i like the pixel version of the notification shade so i have it set to stock and what what that is is you have four quick toggles two rows of two and the asus version is more like the old way of having one row of six quick toggles and the cool thing is whether you switch back and forth between the two of these it will remember all the quick setting tiles you've added in the same order they will just be displayed differently so you could choose which theme if you want to call it that you want to use for your uh, quick settings and notification shade I'll back out display quick settings panel style stock android power button menu menu style and display item management same here for the power menu you can use their version or the stock version power button menu navigate up button and another cool thing you could do display item manager select items to display on the power button menu well kind of cool <laughs> item display manager navigate up button so i'm just going to go through to show you which items you can remove or add to the power options screen restart on switch disabled power off on switch disabled emergency on switch disabled so emergency power off and restart are all on and you can't turn them off unfortunately i wanted to remove emergency but it didn't let me screenshot off switch you can add a screenshot if you want lockdown off switch it let me turn off lockdown bug report off switch and that's the last option bug report if you want to add that to your power menu so those are all the items I wanted to point out in display settings. Obviously, there's much more settings, but now we're going to go into a section called Advanced. Settings. Display. Brightness level. So I'm back in the main settings now, and I'm going to open... Advanced. Assistive tools. Gestures. Touch sensitivity. Advanced. Navigate up. Button. And let's see what we have. Assistive tools, heading, smart key. Smart key. This lets you customize the side key or power key, whatever you want to call it. Smart key. Navigate up, button. And here are the options. Double tap, open Google Assistant. Double tap. I have it set to Google Assistant, but I also have back tap set to that. So I'm going to change it and show you what some of your options are. Double tap. Navigate up, button. Double tap the smart key to quickly perform a function. Selected, radio button, open Google Assistant. Not selected, radio button, voice input, activate voice input and paste the recorded text automatically. So this is voice input for when you want to use voice typing. Unlabeled, button, disabled. Detected, icon, info. 
Not selected. Radio button. Customization. Do not disturb. And here's a customization you can choose. Selected. Unlabeled. Button. Detected. Icon. Settings. Once you select it, you can choose it. So if I don't want it to be do not disturb, I could choose something else. Let's see what my Customization. Navigate up. Button. Not selected. Radio button. Open app. None. You can have it open in app. Selected. Radio button. Quick access. Do not disturb. So quick access are just device specific things I'm going to show you. Detected. Icon. Settings. Button. Detected. Choose from. Quick access. Navigate up. Button. Not selected. Radio button. Wi-Fi. Turn on. Off. Not selected. Radio button. Hotspot. Turn on. Off. Not selected. Radio button. Bluetooth. Turn on. Off. Not selected. Radio button. Sound mode. Sound. Vibrate. Silent. I'm going to select this. Selected. But here are your other options. Not selected. Radio button. Do not disturb. Turn on. Off. Not selected. Radio button. Auto rotate. Turn on. Off. Not selected. Radio button. Screenshot. Not selected. Radio button. Flashlight. Turn on. Off. Phone. Heading. And then you have shortcuts from specific apps if you want to assign a shortcut. So, for example, if you want to call a specific person in the phone app, if you want to open a conversation with a specific contact in the messages app, you know, if you want to go to your orders page on Amazon, you know, you can basically set this to whatever you want. But I'm going to back out. On quick access, double tap sound mode. And next we have long press auto rotate. So you can also change the long press. I have auto rotate set to this. And the cool thing is TalkBack will announce it as you do it. So I'm going to press and hold. Auto rotate is on. Auto rotate is off. And you actually feel a vibration also when it turns on, but you, you don't feel vibration when it turns off. And then next we have swipe off. You can customize the swipe on the key. Fingerprint sensor. Swipe. Navigate up. Button. I had it turned off because I was accidentally hitting it, but I'm going to turn it on to show you what the options are. On. When the screen is on, swipe up down on the smart key to quickly perform one of the actions below. This is what we have. Not selected. Radio button. Check or pin notification. Open close your notifications. And then we have. Not selected. Radio button. Refresh web pages. And then? Not selected. Radio button. Web page previous next. Not selected. Radio button. Home end of web pages. Go to the top end position of a web page quickly. Not selected. Radio button. Streaming video forward rewind. Only applies during video playback. And this actually only works in YouTube that I've noticed, but it is cool if you want a quick way to scrub through a video. Selected, radio button, media previous next, only apply when media is playing. Not selected, radio button, media play pause, only apply when media is playing. And those are all your options. So that's all the smart key stuff. Another cool addition in the advanced settings is clipboard toolbar, display edit, share and other function buttons after copying text or image. So I noticed that when I would copy something with TalkBack's copy gesture, 
there would be a share button that appeared at the bottom of the screen. So if you just wanted to quickly send that, like if you had copied a link or something and you already knew who you wanted to send it to, that's a quick way to do it. And we also have a gestures section under the advanced features. Gestures, heading. Gestures. And I'm going to go into gestures. Gestures, navigate up, button. Gestures. So we have normal gestures, you know, flip to silence, lift to wake, that sort of thing. But one thing I noticed that they added is this option. Swipe up to wake up. Swipe up on the screen to wake up your device from idle mode. So if you'd rather swipe up to wake up the screen rather than double tap on it, you have that option. Below this we have... Gestures on dark screen, heading. Gestures on dark, dark screen. This is awesome. So this is stuff you can do while the display is completely off. And all these gestures, even with TalkBack enabled, you, you do them the same way as anybody else would not using TalkBack because the display is off. So you have access to all these gestures. And here's what we have. Music control. Draw two vertical line with two fingers to pause, resume music, and less than or greater than to change track. On, music control, switch. Then we have W, to launch app, we zoom. On, W, to launch app, switch. S, to launch app, seeing AI. On, S, to launch app, switch. E, to launch app, telegram. On, E, to launch app, switch. M, to launch app, messages. On, M, to launch app, switch. Z, to launch app, lookout. On, Z, to launch app, switch. V, to launch app, seeing AI. And this is the last one. And <laughs> it's a multiple. So you can assign these to open apps or do specific actions like turn on the flashlight, so forth. So I'm just going to turn off the screen and show this to you. Screen off. Ringer silent. Okay, so I have a podcast queued up. I'm just going to swipe down with two fingers to do the play pause gesture. From the combined crew of blindandroidusers.com and... So I did it a second time to stop it. And I'm going to play it again, and I'm going to just scrub through it a couple times by drawing those angle gestures. So angle bracket to the right... We'll go to the next track or skip forward 30 seconds and the left angle bracket will go back. So just show you what that's like. AccessibleAndroid.com. They're coming to you on the third. My wife is out there celebrating forward to the next thing, and which is going to be a great Christmas here. Hit 2023. From. So I skipped forward a few times, then backward a few times until I got back to the beginning. And then I paused it again with the gesture. So I'm doing all of this with the screen completely off. I'll show you some of these other gestures. I won't do them all, but as you heard, different letters you can assign to open different apps or do certain things. So for example, I think I had an E to open Telegram. Let's see if that works. 11.18 a.m. Telegram. Device unlocked. Turn it off. Screen off. Ringer silent. I had an S for seeing AI. 
11.18 a.m. Short text. Seeing AI. Open right. navig. Screen. Screen, screen off again. Z for um, lookout. 11.19 a.m. Device unlocked. Lookout food labels mode. Select. Okay, so. Screen I, off. I won't, Ringer like I said, silent. I won't do them all, but as you can see, you can just get straight to doing a specific thing. Now, you also have to put your thumb on the fingerprint sensor because your phone will stay locked until you do that. But you just do that gesture and place your thumb on the side and it'll unlock and go right into whatever you want to do. So we're back in the advanced settings. Screen off shortcut, open camera. The screen off shortcut for opening the camera, it's a little bit different than the normal gesture, which is to double tap the side key, double press the side key, I should say. But as you see, we can already assign that to whatever we want. But here, this lets you double tap a volume key to go straight into the camera. And at first when I saw this, I was like, is this going to accidentally trigger when I'm trying to adjust volume and I tested it out and it actually doesn't it knows if media is playing and you press it twice fast it just lowers or raises your volume by that amount but if there's no media playing it will open you straight into the camera app and you know because you can use those keys to take pictures you already have your thumb on that key you just press it another time to take the picture or you press and hold it to start recording a video and then when you release it the video is stopped recording so you can do either take a picture or record a video really quickly using this gesture then we have back tap this is not anything new but it does let you customize whether what you want a double tap to do and what you want a triple tap to do this being a tap of the back of the phone so not on the front where the screen is and something I just wanted to point out while I'm here, in case you're a TalkBack Braille keyboard user, is there's a place where you can customize screenshot features. Screenshot. I'm going to open it up. Screenshot. Navigate up. Button. Three fingers screenshot. And this you're going to... Off. Three fingers screenshot. Switch. Want to turn off because while it doesn't interfere with regular TalkBack gestures, when you go into the braille keyboard it causes some serious issues i noticed i couldn't type the letter l or dots four five and six and i couldn't figure out why it wasn't letting me do that until i realized this was what was messing that up so definitely come turn this off if you use the braille keyboard in conclusion i'm going to talk a little bit about what i didn't like and what I did like about the phone. I'll start with my dislikes first. A lot of the apps are not accessible. And by the apps, I mean the Asus apps that are built into the phone. So the file explorer, the camera, the dialer, the recording app I demonstrated earlier. Now, in most cases, you can label just about all the buttons, if not all the buttons, in these apps if you want to. I went ahead and I labeled the buttons in the dialer and in the sound recorder app and 
So for the file explorer, I didn't bother. I just used files by Google. So for any of these apps, you can replace them if you want to, or you can go in and label the buttons if you want to try to figure it out. The one exception is the camera app. It's really bad. So you can label the buttons for taking a picture, choosing the lens, sw switching modes it is already labeled. Um, but the things you, any settings you cannot label and they are not labeled. If you try to label them, it'll tell you you can't. So that, that would be stuff like whether you want the flash to be on or off or auto, whether you want what ratio you want the picture to be in or the video, what how many frames per second you want the video to be, whether you want HDR on or off, all that stuff is not accessible at all. You have to have vision to adjust those settings. So if all you need is something to just point and shoot a picture or a video, it'll do it, but you're not going to be able to change any of that other stuff. If you want to have more control, you'll need to download a third-party camera app. And again, this is this is what's great about Android is you don't have to use any of those apps if you don't want to. You can even replace the dialer if you want to. Another thing I was not impressed with is the haptics. They are definitely not as good as my Pixel or my Samsung phone. I, I would say the best way to describe it is the noise to strength ratio is way too high. I feel like I'm hearing it more than I'm feeling it. That being said, you can feel it and it does work. And it's not annoying. It could be annoyingly loud. It's not annoyingly loud, but it's it, it's just there. It's okay. You get used to it and it doesn't bother me after a while. But then when I go back to a different phone, I'm like, oh yeah, this is what it's supposed to feel like. <laughs> so I was not impressed with the haptics. Also, I'm not a fan of the build quality, or I should say I'm not a fan of the feel of it. And this is sort of a half complaint because I, I do like how light it is. And that's because it's made of plastic. So I guess that's what I'm complaining about is the feeling of the plastic back, which I don't touch anyway because I use it in a case. So it's not a big deal. But if you're going to be using this phone without a case, that's just something I wanted to let you know. It's not made of glass or metal like most phones are these days, most premium phones. Another oddity that I came across that I had to mention is that if TalkBack's talking and you you rest your thumb on the side key, which is the fingerprint sensor, it stops TalkBack from talking. So whether this is a feature or a bug, I'll let you decide. I do it accidentally all the time. Maybe you, after using the phone for a while, you'll get used to it and you just will stop doing that. But that's an oddity that I noticed. Also, I need to point out that the accessibility gesture does not seem to work on this phone. So you're supposed to be able to swipe up from the bottom with three fingers to perform the gesture or swipe up from the bottom of the phone with two fingers if TalkBack is not on. Neither of those seem to work for me. It, the gesture is in the settings. You can set it to whatever you want, but it doesn't work. That being said, I assign the accessibility shortcut to a TalkBack gesture anyway. 
And when you do it that way, it does work. It's just the actual gesture of swiping from the bottom of the screen, for whatever reason, does not seem to work. And now I will talk about everything I like about the phone. This list might not be as long because <laughs> I like to complain, I guess. But I do really like the phone. I wasn't sure how I'd feel about the size of it, but I did get used to it. I was able to type on it with Braille input after I solved that issue I mentioned earlier with no issues. I still have to use a case to be able to type to keep my palms from touching the edges of the screen because I use screen away mode. I also... I do like having the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. I I thought I was indifferent to that, but I ended up using it and liking it, so I'm glad it's there. I do like the fingerprint sensor on the power button. You know, the Pixel has gotten better in years recently, and the Samsung phone is almost perfect with its fingerprint sensor. But those in-display fingerprint sensors, I don't get them every time. Sometimes I miss. Maybe like once in 10 times I'll miss it or something, which isn't that often. But when you go back to that after having a physical fingerprint sensor that you literally just get every time without having to think about it, you know, you notice the difference and you don't want to go back to that. I'm also a huge fan of all the customizations in the settings Asus has really added a lot to Android and not taken away some things. So an example would be when you go to cast, you're not limited to Google cast targets like you are on a Pixel phone. You can cast to anything, you know, whether it be Miracast or a Google cast target. There's all kinds of settings you can change. I only showed you a few things that I found the most interesting about the phone, but there's all kinds of other customizations you can do. Even when it comes to connectivity, you can tell it to connect to your Wi-Fi with both bands at the same time to try to get more speed out of it. You can tell it to use data from both Wi-Fi and cellular at the same time. You could tell it whether to use 5G or not, or 4G or 3G. You could select which you want it to use and which you don't want it to use. You can even add a quick settings tile for 5G to your quick settings so that you can turn 5G off and on if you want to. If you want to have it fall back to 4G in certain situations. It even has stuff built in that they don't mention in the settings. Like I connected my AirPods, for example, and a notification showed up coming from the system settings showing me the battery level of each of my AirPods, which is something they just built in without telling you about it. There's no setting for it. It's just there for people that happen to use Apple AirPods with an Android phone. You know, that's stuff that I noticed, little things like that, that make the experience better. I didn't really mention it, but the performance is great. It's exactly what you would expect from a phone running the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, having 16 gigabytes of RAM, you know, and I got the 512 gigabyte storage variant. So, no complaints from a hardware performance standpoint at all. Overall, I would recommend this phone if you're looking for a smaller phone. It's 
It's not as small as I thought it would be. If you put it next to a Pixel 8 or a Galaxy S22, it's probably just a little bit smaller. But some people like that fingerprint sensor on the side and the headphone jack. And if you're one of those people, I would recommend this phone. I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. All right. This wraps up the demonstration and review of the Asus Zenfone 10. Thank you for listening. So, John, the $64,000 question, I don't think you were sure when you recorded this, but are you keeping that phone? No, I sent it back. <laughs> I I didn't have any complaints about it. I I just don't think it was for me. Like, I like the larger phones, and I'm a Samsung guy. I knew, I, I knew the S24 series was coming out, so I knew I was going to go back to that as my daily driver and i i don't really like having phones just sitting around that i'm not using so i sent it back but it was a good phone one thing i wanted to mention though that i forgot to bring up in the demonstration and especially since we were talking about updates in the last segment is that one of the cons to this specific phone is that they only promise two years of OS updates and four years of security updates. So that Asus Zenfone 10 just got Android 14, which means, you know, it's halfway there. It'll get one more OS update and then it'll be done. It's annoying because uh, by heaven, it's a modern, nice phone. Why on earth do you want to cripple something that good by only two OS updates? At least at the bare minimum, give us three years. You know what I mean? It just makes sense. And to say, hey, you know, you pay this much and only get two OS updates. And the thing is that, frankly, they brought the phone when the OS is already almost out. And this is what I didn't use to like with Samsung because, you know, they'll bring it out when the OS is already been out, whatever. And or it's like, I don't even know how to say it, but uh, at least now, though, they have that 70 year, but... Uh, any of you guys out there, I always argue that if you're bringing out your phone in, uh, you know, September or whatever, and the new OS is coming up in October, just wait till the new OS comes out so it comes out with it so that you don't bring a phone in August or September and then uh, update it in November and count it as an update, I think that's a theory. You're a horse thief. That's a good, good, good review, and I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a good phone. If you like your small phones, then uh, that definitely has power. So uh, check it out. John is like me, likes those bigger phones. And uh, I mean, it's just uh, some people like those smaller phones, but the number are few. Um, and so if you like some girly-looking phone, Probably that would be the one to go for, or, you know, something like Pixel 8, regular Pixel 8. But I just like the sound of, there are so many uh, customizations that John was showing on there that I really like about the Zen phone. And I wish I could have one to play with, but I don't think I could have that as my daily driver either. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite things about it. And um, also, I thought the call recording feature was unique. That's something you don't 
C in the US. And, um, you know, you can set it to record your calls automatically. And one of the, I was talking to a friend about it and he brought up a couple of things that I hadn't even thought of. You know, he said he would like that in certain cases, you know, when you're on a phone call and somebody's telling you, I need you to write down this case number or something and, <laughs> and you're over here like fumbling around trying to find like something to write with or like pulling up a notepad on your computer, you know, so you could type like, it'd be nice to just be like, okay, go ahead and just not do anything and, and know it's being recorded for you to reference later. And he also mentioned that, um, you know, he has a lot of conversations with his grandma that he wouldn't mind just being able to save, you know, that he could, and, and have to go back and reference. And, you know, I know a lot of people are afraid of privacy and stuff or fear for their privacy and stuff. And this is why it's not a thing in the U S on mainstream devices, but you know, I don't think there's any harm in it. You know, if it's a, a conversation you're having on your device and you're going to keep it on your device, I think it, it's a cool feature to be able to, you know, keep that stuff to reference later. Based on what you are talking about, John, actually Google went too far in preventing core recording third party. I mean, apps like uh, apps were able to use accessibility service to enable core recording. It was working. Uh, at least on my phone, the ACR was able to do it. However, Google uh, enforced developers to stop using this accessibility service for, or to stop using accessibility permissions for core recording. So I think they they went so far in in preventing this. They okay, you can like uh, prevent it in your default dialer. It's okay, but preventing third party apps from doing it that was so much. So I like this feature in Asus. But a question, does it, does it um, support manual recording if you don't want to go uh, for the automatic recording? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. And I can't find out. <laughs> I've sent it back. I, yeah. When, you, when you get the next ACES, you're going to. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. I'll have uh, to yeah, just getting back that. just for that. But I was going to say, you know, frankly, this is a nice feature. And the thing you mentioned, a couple of things that you mentioned here, John, especially, you know, someone say, hey, can you take down this? Here's your case number. Or can you take down uh, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just say, yeah, go ahead. And because a lot of times I say, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. You know, I should have uh, looked for something to write. Let me grab my computer or let's do whatever. This solves that problem. And another valid one that you talked about let's say you're talking with your mom or your grandma or whatever. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. You know, we never know, uh, you know, when those people will go away and to have that reference point where you can go back and listen to that person is just so beautiful. And, you know, Karen, you mentioned about Google. Google sometimes is stupid. Excuse me. Uh, I'm saying this, but, you know, don't be so restrictive. Uh, yeah, you know, if there are certain countries that don't want to do that, that's fine. Uh, but yet in the same breath, though, in India, you can use your Pixel phone and, and record your phone uh, phone calls for some reason. So I don't know what the deal is. It's just uh, let us choose what we can do. Yeah, and if if the rule is that we don't, you know, do recording, and I went ahead and recorded. And if I try to present it anyway, it's going to be disputed because it's not allowed. So no one is losing anything here. I don't know what the deal is. 
And I wanted to mention one more thing real quickly because I know this is one of the main things people care about. And I forgot to mention it, <laughs> the battery life, you know, and I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's great. You know, it's good. It at least matches what I was getting on my S23 Ultra. And, you know, that's been the best phone I've had as far as battery life. So, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't drain this completely in one day, you know, if I tried. I'd say I was probably getting um, six hours green on time, at least, every day. So, great battery life. All good things must end. Thus, it's cotton drawing time, bringing us to the close of this week's episode. Coming up, though, we give you information on how to get hold of us. That brings us to the end of this week's episode, folks. Austin, how can people get in touch with us? To contact us, you can send an email to contact us at blindandroidusers.com. You can join a mailing list by sending an email to blind Android users plus subscribe at groups.io. You can join our Telegram, Facebook, Discord, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The links for everything will be at the bottom of the show notes and also in the video description of the YouTube channel. And also the links are in the websites panel of the YouTube channels. Well, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, Say bye-bye, folks. Bye, everyone. And again, next week is our app banana. So send in those app demos because we're looking forward to that. Next week is nothing but the apps. So long. Bye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Blind Android Users Podcast. Until we see you next week, don't forget to leave us your comments and suggestions via our email contact or using any of our social media sites. Have a great week.